welcome to episode 47 of Too Old for This Podcast, your safe space for grown-up talk about childish things. Tonight, we are going to wrap up and review the final episodes of season one of Star Trek Picard. And we're going to talk about whatever the fuck else we feel like because fuck it. It's quarantine. It's the COVID crisis. It's the global pandemic. It's Jared Kev on Nerd and Up Nerd. Let's go. Yeah, man. What up, brother? How much, bro? How are you? I'm good, 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 good. How are we? Uh, you know, considering uh, the whole quarantine thing, uh, I guess I'm all right. Still virus free, um, as I know, uh, <laughs> as I can tell. Uh, I hope. Uh, not you take, taking your temperature every six hours. Uh, to be sure, I am not. Um, are you? Get on it. Yeah. I am. I am. Te- I'm taking my temperature right now as we speak. Oh. And it doesn't sound like it because I'm speaking so clearly, but that's because I'm taking my temperature in another way. Uh, I was going to ask that. I was going to ask you. I, I definitely am. <laughs> I, am, I am actually, I have a rectal thermometer <laughs> in me right now. In me. Nice. Right now as we speak. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. So, um, yeah, no fever. Oh, oh, there. It just went off. Here we oh, Nope. Okay. No temperature. Still All good. Right. Anyway. Good. Um, yeah, no fevers. Uh, throat's pretty clear as of right now. Um, I've, I've had a cough for like the last four months, so um, uh-huh. that's uh-huh. not uh-huh. related, obviously. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Um, yeah, it's just uh, the whole quarantine thing is kind of bringing everyone's... Uh, Everyone's morale down. That's about it. So. Oh yes, yeah. we the globe is depressed. Yeah. I would say yeah. we are we are globally bummed out together. <laughs> uh, hopefully, people are taking advantage of the many uh, suggestions we gave them last week for what to binge watch while at home in your social distancing isolation tanks. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a, it was a good list. I, I you know I, I had a feeling we were going to have a very diverse list. There was going to be very little crossover between the three of us, me, you, and Sarah. Yeah. Uh, and I was right. There was only there were fourteen individual uh, suggestions yeah. provided. Uh, Sarah's list was well, your list actually was much different than mine because you stuck with all comedies, yeah. which I which is which is probably the reason we didn't cross over much at all. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was one, just because uh, I, f- I felt like I needed a little Canadian content, so that's why I right, threw right, right. Uh, Letter Kenny in there. Plus, it's a great. And show. I, but um, and I added Letter Kenny at the la- at the end because yeah. I just wanted to have a comedy in there. Yeah. Okay. So it was, um, it was actually that, a toss up for me between that and Trailer Park Boys, but uh, I think I yeah I think I'm more into Letter Kenny. Uh, I think Trailer Park you know Boys what yeah itself out um, yeah. Even though they are similar in ways, without being identical, so right. I I you know what? Um, whenever like I've had people say to me uh, that they're, that they that they don't watch uh, Letterkenny because they don't like Trailer Park Boys, like it's the same thing, and that is like so not even close to yeah. to truth. Like they're not the, they're not the same show no. at all. Uh, the writing on Letterkenny is so unique it's and really smart, right? It's, it's really, really smart, smart and yeah. it, 
and it's really kind. Of, it's really kind of. It doesn't. I, I don't know what it's kind of ripping off. If, it's, if anything went before it that is similar to it, I can't think of it. It's like an original thing to me, Letterkenny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant show to me, like on, on a level of its own. Uh, I, I, I'm a Trailer Park Boys uh, fan from back in the day. I enjoy Trailer Park Boys, but yeah. Um, I think you know they are comparable. Of course, they're like low budget shows that started as like indie shows, and they are you know uh, Canadian and. Uh, uh, kind of working class uh, Canadian comedies, yeah. um, but uh, there's not a lot of comparisons after that. Um, uh, Trail Park Boys is uh, East Coast culture, basically. Anyway, uh, based out in uh, I don't I don't remember what province if it's Newfoundland or uh, Nova Scotia. Nova but, Scotia. Uh, okay, um, and uh, Letterkenny is so Ontario. Yeah. It is just like. Uh, the D on the DNA of Ontario is, is coded into the writing, the scripts of Letterkenny. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, they're very different shows, but, um, they're both good shows. Yeah. Um, I, I put those, no, I was going to say, if I would compare Letterkenny to any show, uh, I'm not saying it's identical by any means, but I'm just saying like, um, similar in like structure is, uh, Corner Gas. Um, if you ever watch Corner Gas, right. um, yeah. Except uh, you know, it's it's more younger adults uh, on. Isn't that Kenny isn't that uh, uh, that's in the West too? Isn't isn't that isn't that in the prairies? Corner yeah, gas? Like isn't that like in Edmonton? Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, they kind of nail that prairie culture. Yeah. Uh, not not that I would be an expert on that, but that's from what that's what I've heard many times from mm-hmm. uh, critics who talk about corner gas. Uh, and I think that is a fair comparison. Letterkenny really nails uh, Ontario culture. I think Letterkenny is a thousand times funnier than Corner Gas, oh, no, personally. I agree, I agree, yes. That's just a matter of taste. That's yeah. a subjective opinion. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, another show that I thought about that you just that I I wanted to say probably I'd put in the same category of great Canadian comedies, and it's current right now. Uh, Shit's Creek right. didn't make it on any of our lists, but I've never um, watched it. Uh, to be honest, oh what? Yeah, oh, I know. Kev. I know. Um, okay, Kev. Uh, my <laughs> binge-worthy suggestion to you, yeah. my friend, is Shit's Creek. It yeah. is, it is such a surprisingly amazing show. I like, hear it's good. like when when you turn it on, you're expecting it to be something, and it is so much more than you expect it to be. It is so great, and um, Catherine O'Hara, I I want to say, is is so great. Mm. In the show, um, and of course Eugene Levy, and uh, <clears throat> it, it's like it's it, it feels like it's on a higher level of of entertainment to me. It feel like like the cat like Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. It reminds me of like a great eighties uh, comedies from the from the movies, right? Oh, okay. Like um, it, it feels like like it's a really high level TV show, but it's this little Canadian low budget thing mm-hmm. and uh it's awesome it's i love it like um it's, the only like the, the only thing it's missing is john candy in my opinion it's 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 like it's that like uh it feels that familiar to me is it's like it reminds me of like classic sctv uh related stuff okay. it, it is very sctv related okay. um you know it's a new generation um yeah. but um but it's got a lot of uh, guest stars who you would expect uh, from that old era to mm-hmm. on the show. 
Um, so Shit's Creek, I definitely uh, should have made my honorable mention list last next week, last week, and I, and I did it didn't. Okay. So here it here it is now for you. Shit's Creek, go go um, watch that shit. Now that I think of it, I'm surprised I didn't say Kids in the Hall. I'm a huge Kids in the Hall. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, man, if people don't know Kids in the Hall, then they don't know shit. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's like that's like uh, that that's like a you know, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, it's like a basic thing that that everybody has to already be aware of. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, but there are probably a lot of people that are not um, <clears throat> not familiar yeah. with it. There, there, there's there's it's a new Kids back. in the Hall coming out. Yeah, they're coming they're, reu- they're reuniting for a TV show, a, yeah. a series. Like uh, a so that should be great. Yeah. So that should be uh, very very interesting. Yeah, I'm no, looking absolutely. forward to it. Yeah, 100. Even if it's not, even if it's not funny, it'll be interesting. There'll be plenty. There'll be oh, plenty to discuss. It will be funny. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, it'll no, probably be fun. no doubt about that. It'll probably be fun. <clears throat> so, you know, I saw Kids in the Hall live uh, when they were st- when they I, were still going. I've seen them a few times. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the last time I saw them, I believe it was the uh, reading of Brain Candy. They they did a live reading. Oh uh, really? Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, one of the times I saw them, um, it, I was sitting actually front row, and. Um, this was before uh, Gordon Downey passed away, and he was he was there. Um, so they did like their whole sketch comedy thing, and then uh, at the end they had a um, Gordon Downey came out and they did a song. I can't remember what song it was. I recorded from correctly with my phone. I forget. But anyways, um, like the the drummer from like uh, Live, the Canadian band Live. And there was a couple yeah. other guys there. I'm drawing a blank of who they were. But, yeah, no, it was a really cool show. So, Big rock concert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, myself and Matt Daly, who's been on the show. Um, huh? I, usually whenever I go to these things, I usually go with him and his wife. And um, yeah. the great Paul Bellini was in the uh, in the lobby, and we took our picture nice. with him. And we both nice. poked, him, poked him in the belly. It was, it was awesome. Nice. Yeah, he was Very in the nice. towel and everything. It was great. <laughs> So, but anyways, uh, we've been talking about uh, last week's show. Maybe we should talk about this week's show. <laughs> sure, but I had another Kids in the Hall story. When I when okay, I went to see Kids it. in the Hall live, yeah. uh, I was standing in line waiting to get in, and Bruce McCullough came out, and he was talking to the crowd. Nice. And I tried to I tried to make a joke to Bruce McCullough, and I I had heard already that he was kind of an asshole. Yeah. Okay. Just from people from like local people in Toronto who like knew him. Um, and, um, but I was such a fucking fan. I was like 18 years old. Um, I was still in high school and, uh, uh, man, I would like Bruce McCullough is like strolling up, strolling through the line, uh, like chatting to people. He's chatting to the people in front of me. And, uh, I tried to make a joke. Uh, I tried to like jump into the conversation and make a joke. I it was so awkward and so douchey of me. Like I was, I was being a total fucking douche. Yeah. Um, like it wasn't like an offensive joke. It just wasn't funny. It was just me just trying to push my way into this conversation. Uh, I, I, he just gave me the most icy cold, dead-eyed stare. Like he just froze. Yeah. He just froze and just stared at me. Uh, like just like with obvious like <laughs> hatred. You gotta tell the joke now. I. It was it was awful. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly how it went. No, it was like, um, like the people in front of me. There was like some girl. It was like he was talking to them because there was some girl, and obviously, and she had a cast on her foot or something. And he was like, "Oh, you hurt your foot. What happened?" And and um, 
then they were like, there was some chance we couldn't get in, right? Because like when you go for those those screenings, there's like a limited number of seat, seats, and, and you're not guaranteed to get in, right? Even though even though you're waiting in line and you have tickets already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she said something about you know, hope, really hope we got in, and because you know we drove really far from for this and whatever. And Bruce was like, oh, you know, it should be okay, but you know, we'll we'll see. And and I think I I think it like it was a, he said something like that, and then I jumped in and I was like. Oh yeah, well we drove all the way here from Germany. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I don't know why. I just I just I was just, like something in my brain was like think of something funny. Think of something funny. Think of something funny. Say something funny. Yeah. Say something funny. Um, because you're so funny and Bruce McCullough will just want to be your pal because you're going to say something funny to him right now. Um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, so that didn't go how I imagined. And, uh, yeah, like he would like, like, man, like when I think about it now, he was this fucking famous dude on this on this show that was a hit show already. And I was, I was this 18 year old kid and (laughs) like, like I get it if I was like another comedian and you're like backstage at a club and I try to make a joke and it's a bad joke and you bust my balls about it. Yeah. But, but to do that to an 18 year old kid that guy's a fucking asshole like i i admit that i was being a douche but i was a child yeah. okay yeah. that guy was a fucking like he just glared at me and i just i just like shrunk back down into my my soul like disappeared into some escape hatch deep within me yeah. uh and i va- i vanished within myself and that was you know i don't remember I, like nothing else was said between us after that but i don't remember yeah. like the moments after that at all like um um but yeah anyway that was you you just reminded me of that um (laughs) it was was a fun episode it was it was a chicken lady sketch i remember so it was oh it was was a natural taping for the show you're you're oh yeah 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 and shadowy men and shadowy men on a shadowy planet who always played live uh at their episodes they were it was great to see them Mm, uh it was great great to great to be there very nice very nice Anyways. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh we are gonna talk about uh Star Trek Picard tonight. Yes, um <laughs> yeah, the finale the finale aired a few days ago now. Yeah. Uh this past this past Thursday night. Season one is in the books. Mm-hmm. This is a show this was a show I was very excited about. You not so much, but you have uh been a good sport and yeah, watched well, the entire thing with me. Yeah. Um like I like I said to you, I think I'm more of a f- I'm not a Star Trek fan by any means. Like, I don't wear Star Trek shirts and stuff, but um, I do like Star Trek. I just feel like I'm more of a fan of the movies than I am of the shows. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. That's I think that's just where I'm coming from. Uh, although right. I, as I got much love for uh, for the um, I guess the original um, series. Like I, I remember I used to watch that religiously when I was a kid. I don't know if I right. can so much sit down and watch it now. I haven't tried. <laughs> right. But um but yeah, no, I I think I, I really think I'm more of a fan of the movies than I am of the show. So Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, how would I classify my Star Trek fandom then? Um well, I, I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan in the world. I, I don't like own any merchandise or anything. Like I think my I think there's maybe a Spock figurine piggy bank in my son's bedroom. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have any other Star Trek stuff. I think I, I think I might have a communicator pin, a badge. Right. 
uh, something like that. Uh, but it's not like Star Wars, like where you know Star Wars pretty much you know dominates my life yeah. uh, in many ways. Um, so I'm not I'm not that big of a Star Trek fan by comparison. I am a fan of Star Trek: The Next Generation, that TV series. Um, I lived with that like a like that. That was my alternate universe getaway for a while when that was on TV a lot. I've talked about this before on the show. Yeah. Um, I, I do really love that show. It's not a perfect show. There were some some bad episodes and some great episodes. Um, uh, There's a lot of filler, um, but uh, I have a fondness for it. A very uh, like familiarity. A very yeah, a strong, fond familiarity with the next generation. Mm. I am like you with the, with the original series. I watched it a lot as a kid because it was on TV a lot as a kid in reruns. Yeah. Um, but um, honestly, even as a kid, I found it a little bit boring, and uh, it's hard for me to watch now. Like I, I, yeah, I can't really watch it now. Like mm-hmm. I can, I can check it. I can check it out. I can look at it, but I can't like get into it enough to really watch it now. Right. Love the movies. I love Star Trek, the original motion picture. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, of course, is my favorite. Mm. Star Trek Three, though, The Search for Spock is a very close second place to me. I, I absolutely love that movie. Um, and uh, I even love Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Mm. Uh, but the whole Picard-Spock thing that went on uh, during that movie uh, arc, um, I, I really do love. Um and I love Next Generation. So anyway, uh, the Next Generation films for me were not that great. Uh, actually, they were mostly really, really bad, mm. in my opinion. Um, okay. But this, but the TV series uh, to me was the peak of Star Trek on television. Okay. Okay. So here we are, Star Trek Picard. I was very excited for this. I, you know, recent Star Trek shows have been interesting. You know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, following Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I find it to be a very fun, watchable show. Um, I, I see a lot of people on the internet complaining. A lot of Star Trek fans complaining that it, it, it's not real Star Trek. It breaks canon. It does all kinds of things that are not true to Star Trek. Um, I. I uh, I don't want to get into that so much, but uh, yeah. Star Trek Picard uh, kind of pulled me in, and um, I am right there. I am right there in uh, with all of those uh, Discovery fans who are mad at Star Trek Discovery for breaking Star Trek canon. Well, now this show, oh my God, uh, this show, um, this show has treated Star Trek: The Next Generation. So crazily, <laughs> uh, I don't want to say I don't want to say it's all bad because a, a lot of it seems like it's done with love, and a lot of it is is okay. A lot of it is good. Uh, okay, some of it is good, not a lot of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but some of it is so fucking bad, Kev. So fucking bad oh. that um. I, I have a I have a parallel theory now. I have this reminds me of the rise of Skywalker a lot. Okay. Now, and I have a whole explanation for how my feelings for Rise of Skywalker and my theory, my my feelings for the finale, especially of Star Trek Picard season one, mm-hmm. are kind of parallel. And uh, it's as a fan, I'm living in a kind of a hell, a kind of a hell where. I want to keep watching this because it's fun and because there are good moments here and there, but 
it is also really bad. And when it is really bad, it is so bad that it kind of destroys all of Star Trek. It kind of it kind of ruins everything about the Star Trek universe. Uh, mm-hmm. It kind of it kind of erases Star Trek philosophy, Star Trek logic. It changes the whole thing between how, you know, Star Trek is supposed to be science fiction and Star Wars is supposed to be space opera. And there's supposed to be this dividing line. It's gone. It's gone. Star Trek is space opera now. And and as a, as a classic fan, yeah, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Mm. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm jumping ahead. We, we haven't even talked about the episodes yet. <laughs> um, but, um, okay, that's where I am anyway, before we get into detail about the episodes. Okay. And so, you, of course, don't give a sh- don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, it's not that I don't give a shit. Uh, it's just I'm not as obviously hardcore into next generation as you are. So, um, yeah. if there was anything that they like shit it on, um, I either didn't pick up on it, or it just you know what I mean, just right. it didn't hit me as hard as it would have you. Right? Doesn't bother. You. Doesn't bother you. So okay. Um, well, let's start with episode eight. Okay. Riker's no, Island. No, uh, we, we actually have to go all the way back to, yeah, no, episode seven. Uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. We, seven, seven is, is Riker's Island. Um, oh, sorry, seven is Riker's Island, sorry. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, spoiler alert. We are now going to talk about all the details of episodes, of probably every episode from Star Trek Picard season one. Yeah. Including the including the big ending. So if you have not watched Star Trek Picard season one yet, huge, huge spoiler. I'm going to I'm going to tell you right now. There is some bad shit, crazy stuff that happens at the ending of this thing mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. We're going to spoil. So if it's important to you to ha- to not have the bad shit, crazy stuff spoiled, stop listening. Go watch Star Trek Picard season one to come back and listen to this episode yes. and let us know if you agree or disagree with our take. There you go. So anyways, um, episode seven mm-hmm. is, is where we are, where we left off in our review series yes. of the show. And Kevin, I had all my windows open in Chrome to talk about this. And for somehow they're all gone now. Somehow, I have to reopen every one of my Chrome windows to talk about the episodes of Picard. But anyway, episode seven, Nepenthe. Uh, Picard uh, escapes the Borg cube on that Queen's uh, super teleporter. And uh, we find out uh, where he went was the home of Riker and Troy. Yeah. So finally, uh, we are getting this, this um, Riker and Troy, who we knew were going to be in this season, but we didn't know when we were going to see them. Mm. Uh, so here we are. Now we're now we're finally at Riker and Troy's house. They're on this planet Nepenthe, which I'm not f- fully sure I understand what it is. I, it's some kind of like getaway planet, I think. I it's some like planet. A retreat. It's a retreat planet, <laughs> is what I is what I gathered. And they're there because they are in mourning and need to get over some shit. Mm. Um. It's my understanding. I think like I, I may be wrong about this, I, but but this is what I, I think is happening here. Um, so they live in this cottage in the woods with a daughter, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, um, fine. 
But we also learn in this episode that they had a son mm-hmm. who died. Yeah. So uh, Riker and Troy are strapped with this tragic storyline of uh, they're in retirement living. The, the timeline's a little weird, first of all, I want to say. Because their daughter looked to be about what? What did you think she was? Like 13? I was going to say like 16. Okay, anywhere from 13 to 16. Yeah. But they're in retirement, so how old? Like I, 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 maybe I should just look how old they are. And act, the actors are in real life, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing how old these these characters would be at this point in the story. And I guess if I was more of a Star Trek nerd, I would know the exact number. But I, I, I feel like 60s. they're they're retired. They're probably in their sixties, right? Yeah. So you have a sixteen-year-old daughter in your sixties. So okay, you had your daughter in the forties. But wasn't the son supposed to be the older? Or the younger of the two kids. Was he younger? I, I don't he remember. Was older. I feel like they said. I don't remember. Older. Okay, older. Okay. <clears throat> so they didn't have kids till they were in their forties. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense because they were in their forties at the end of this of the last time we saw them. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, fine. I feel like the timeline is weird. Like they were too old to have kids these young, but whatever. Um. Uh, it's weird because the 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 storyline of this kid is. Wrapped up in the whole storyline of this series, which is this is all new storyline that just doesn't exist before. So the makers of this series decided what they're going to do with Riker and Troy in the future is they have a they tragically lose their first child, and the reason is their child contracted some silicon-based virus that uh, could have been cured. If it wasn't for the ban on synthetic life. Yeah. So the whole tragic impetus of this entire season is the ban on synthetic life killed Riker and Troy's kid. And they are dealing with their grief as a family with their surviving child on this planet Nepenthe living in the woods. Um. I don't like that. I don't like that that they did that with these characters. I don't like that... They strapped them with this tragic loss related to this dumb plot line because the synth, like I talked about this before, the synth band plot line is dumb. It's, it's the reverse of Star Trek canon. It's the reverse of stuff that was established in the next generation. And it feels forced just to create the storyline of this show. And if this show was, a much better show, maybe they'd get away with that in my heart, mm. but they're not getting away with that in my heart at this point. I'm like, no, I don't want you doing that to my next generation characters with your dumb plot line. That's how I felt about that anyway. Right. You probably didn't notice, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> or or it didn't occur to you. Which which part? Like the whole storyline? See that whole thing. Yeah, the part the part about them having though. a tragic child loss and the whole story the whole part about like did you think that was dumb the way the way the reason their kid died because we're in the 24th century right the idea that there's any diseases that we can't cure that bugs me like the fact that Trump uh, Trump Picard had this incurable brain anomaly and I thought about that really bugged me while we were watching it or while I was watching it too but um, yeah but the whole thing with uh, the banning of like cloning or whatever um, or synthetic life, or whatever you want to call it. They're fucking clones, all right? Um, <laughs> the whole thing about cloning. The, the Siths. Um, yeah, whatever. Whatever the you want to fucking The Siths? 
They're robots, not clones. They're I robots. Know, whatever. They're fucking clones. <laughs> Organic robots. They're fucking clones. The fucking no, uh, they're data. Fucking is a clone. All right, <laughs> they're fucking clones. I don't care. No, he's not. He's a. He said he's a Sung android. That's important. That's all important. Right. Okay, whatever. <laughs> the Sung android. Okay, so the robotic clones. <laughs> Are we good with that? Can I say that? The cl- the 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 cloned androids. The cloned androids. Okay. The clone <laughs> androids. Um. So the whole thing was. You see, uh, if you okay. were a nerd, like you're not, a, you're not a nerd like me. It's like this is science fiction stuff. That this is the reason. This is the reason science fiction fans like. Look, I understand you want to make Star Trek. Uh, you want to. You want to broaden the audience. You want to yeah. say, okay, science fiction fans aren't enough. We want everybody. We don't want just science fiction fans. But the idea that you're going to shit on the science fiction fans in order to get everybody, like you don't have to. You can still make the science fiction part smart and still do stuff to bring the other fans in. Anyway, I'm sorry. I I totally railroaded your point. You were you were talking. So, Go ahead. It's the whole fact that uh, that um, their their kid uh, didn't live because of the whole like ban. Um, obviously, that was a plot a plot line to push forward. To the ending, obviously, <laughs> right? To um, to bring. Are you still there? <laughs> Hello. Yes, I'm still okay. here. All Sorry, right. <laughs> my, my mute button was far away, so okay, it took me yeah, a moment. Yeah, disappeared on me. Um, so, anyways, I, it was obviously uh, flash forward. Um, sorry, spoilers. Um, for him to come up, come back at the end. Um, but anyways, um, them losing their 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 kid because of the whole um, uh, ban um, doesn't bother me. Like that whole thing doesn't, that whole plot line doesn't bother me because I didn't watch the next generation. So in my head, I don't know that they, uh, that Picard fought for this and blah, 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 whatever you said that happened in, in whatever. Picard, Picard fought for the rights of synthetic androids. Yes. He fought for data, data's rights. Right. And w- when he won data's rights, he established law that was pre- set precedent that would make sure that any androids in the future that came after data would have these rights because Picard and Riker was, was deeply involved in all of this. Yeah. And the fact that Riker and Troy's characters are forever changed for this series like it, it it bugs me yeah like i wish if you're gonna strap somebody with kids they lost because of the android ban make it new characters that you wrote for this series don't do that to my tng characters like like bring them in sure give them ki- a kid fine um but i don't know i don't know i just feel like you don't deserve to touch these characters like, i i guess i did have a problem with this new show i don't know right. anyway sorry yeah, no. <laughs> that's my problem um, no, I think my point was made. Okay, um, it, it didn't bother me. Is basically what I'm saying. It bothered you, so I, I had no, yeah. I had no problem. I had no problem with that plot line. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I uh, yeah, I did. For some reason, it bugged me. But anyway, back to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, you know, it's nice seeing this gang back together. It was nice seeing Picard reunited with with Riker and and Deanna Troy, you know, uh, you know, Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes are still, um, they're, they're still both good at playing these characters, uh, you know, and you can see the affection between all these actors is real. Um, yeah. in, and, and this, 
you know, it bothers me that that some people are missing from all of this. You know, like like so. My favorite my favorite parts of the show are in the very beginning when we see uh, Picard and Data interacting in his dreams, mostly. But um, those interactions to me were like like really fantastic next generation moments. And I feel like we're getting more of that in this episode. But it just it's it make it makes the people who are lacking scream out to me even more. Like Beverly Crusher is desperately lacking from this series in his future in the next generation in his future, which we saw he was married to Beverly Crusher. She was the most important person from the series in his life. And she's not even fucking mentioned in this at all. Jordy LaForge was actually data's closest friend on the cast was much closer to data than Picard and actually fixed him, worked on him many, many times was, was technically very, very involved with everything about data. He would have been involved with all that shit at the Daystrom Institute and Dr. Gerardi, and he would have been the first person Picard called, and he hasn't even, like, they haven't brushed the surface with Jordan LaForge in this series at all. So when I watch this episode, all of that jumps out to me as like, damn it, it's all missing. And it's so great when we get these little bits, but I feel like they're just going to continue to do this for the Picard series, they're just going to sprinkle in the the previous cast, the, the Next Generation cast, here and there, and they're going to save that for like twice a season to give us a little fan service pop. Yeah. And it, 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 it completely ignores the logic of the characters. Like, this is not... This is not how these characters would behave in these circumstances. I'm sorry that you want to save LeVar Burton for season two, maybe. Or you're probably not even going to bring in LeVar Burton's season because we already heard you're bringing in Whoopi Goldberg, mm -hmm. who's not who's not a character like, okay, she has a she actually she has a pretty decent bond with Picard. Fine. But the data storyline demanded Jordy LaForge. And now the, the data storyline is is completed it looks like at the end of this season mm -hmm. and i don't know where they're going in season two but uh anyway um look uh the yes it's great to see picard and Riker and troy back together um all of the all the stuff in this episode about family it was okay it was fine um you could tell during this episode that we were taking a break from the whole story that this was like the dividing line. Like I felt like, okay, this is the dividing line in this in this series, and the rest of this series after this is going to be just one long finale. And that's how I feel about eight, nine, and ten. At first, I thought eight, like nine and ten, are going to be a two part finale, but it was really eight, nine, and ten, mm -hmm. kind of all run together as one long episode, like one movie, kind of, um, where the like pace like picks up really, really fast. Episode seven on the Penthe moves really slowly. Um, <laughs> I, I, but I didn't hate it just because I love seeing these characters back together, mm -hmm. you know, watching Riker cook pizza, um, for the entire episode. I didn't really mind. I was like, okay, he's retired. That's, that's fine. You know? Yeah. Um, I thought it was neat that his house had shields and stuff. I thought that that is, that was absolutely correct too, though. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I don't know what else to say about this episode, but really, um, I think there was some stuff going on back on the Borg Cube. I think uh, this was the one where Seven of Nine comes back, and is this the one where she uh, takes over the Cube, takes control of the Cube? 
Or no, was it the next one? Uh, I believe that was the next episode. Sure. I believe that was I'm number eight. Sure. I don't have my plots and synopsis <clears throat> in front of me anymore. My no, I believe I'm pretty sure that was number eight. I, okay. But anyway, Nepenthe, uh, for me, it was, a, it was a slow episode, but it was still a good episode because, uh, like Record Troy, like I said, even though I had my problems with it, I would give it a 7 out of 10 uh, enjoyable for Next Generation fans. Uh, for the reunion uh, factors of it. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I found that episode extremely boring. <laughs> yeah. I thought it really dragged. Um, I, I struggled with it. But yeah, no, I'd probably give it like a 6.5. Cool, cool, cool. So episode 8, and I am pulling up my episode list now so that I can actually... Uh, say the uh, speak about the episodes mm-hmm. in some intelligent order. Hold on, make sure I have them. Okay, so episode eight, broken pieces. Uh, let me just read the little IMDb uh, summary here. Picard realizes how far some will go to protect secrets. They go back generations when truths about the attack on Mars are revealed. Nerissa orders her guards to capture Elnor, setting off a chain reaction on the board cube. Okay. So yeah, we have the action on the board cube now where uh, it's really weird. Like this board cube stuff is really weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, the writing on this show, man, um, like when they first introduced the board cube, like I thought, okay, Romulans are living on the board cube because they had nowhere to live because their planet was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it was like a place they could live. But no, that's not what it was. Romulans are living there. Some are living there. But there's also humans living there. Like you, we saw these in, in the episode, uh, the first episode where we saw the Borg Cube. Uh, there's like human scientists living and working on there. Mm. And they're, they're kind of just rescuing the Borg. They're kind of just reclaiming the Borg from this cube. And for some reason, Soji is working there. Um... But then I like I don't understand like why like the Remulans are like rescuing the Borg, but then in this episode they just go kill them all, and they don't like give a shit. Like all they give a shit about is their Jat Vash, you know, like um, plan to stop synthetic life, and like the Borg don't mean anything. I don't understand what the whole point of the Borg cube was. Like why were they rescuing all these Borg? Was it just some big crazy plot to capture Soji? And if so, how did they know Soji was going to come work there? Yeah. And that, that, that doesn't make any damn sense at all. Like, I don't think they ever bothered to figure out why the Romulans had the Borg reclamation project in the first place. Like, I don't think there was a, a, an explanation. Right. And, and then the Romulans just go kill all the Borgs. But then it looks like Jerry Ryan, because Jerry Ryan takes over the Borg cube, becomes the Borg queen for a minute, Mm -hmm. and controls all the Borg for a minute. But then they say all of the Borg were ejected into space, and they show that. And by the way, the Borg should have survived that. Uh, We've seen the Borg uh, are fine in open space uh, we've seen that in the movies. I, I forget which Next Generation movie it was. 
but um, the Borg should have been fine in open space. They 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 don't they don't die in open space. Mm. Um, but apparently they did. And then Jerry Ryan, like, doesn't do anything with the Borg cube. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like she follows Picard when he, at the end of this episode, he, uh, like, Soji takes over the the Hacienda, the La Hacienda, whatever the ship's called. She takes over the ship and she's like, no, we're going back to my planet right now. Yeah. And she opens she opens up, like, the quad, the, the I don't know what the friggin', she opens up the Borg jump hole to jump right back to her planet which should be which should take months to get there but she can get there in a second in 15 minutes and i guess seven of nine because she's the borg queen at that moment is aware of it and is able to follow them but then the borg cube doesn't fucking do shit like the borg cube is like the most powerful ship we've ever seen in star trek Compared to anything else in this show. And then in episode nine, well, we're not going to get to episode nine yet, but yeah. anyway. Uh, uh, episode eight of, <laughs> what is it? Uh, Elnor's being chased through the board cube by Romulans. He's, he, he's, he's chopping them to pieces with his sword. That's super fun. Mm-hmm. Jerry Ryan shows up to rescue him. She's she's badass again. They, they try to... They, they kind of treat her like Linda Hamilton from Terminator. She walks in with her guns blazing every time and then just mows everybody down and right. and then she talks tough and she's badass. That's fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Stuff starts to move forward very quickly. Soji, you know, figures out uh, all the stuff about her home world very quickly. The whole plot starts to come to... I felt like in episode 8... Things started to move fast. Okay. Anyway, faster. How did, you, how did you how did you feel about it? Um, uh, that was another episode that I really struggled with. I found it yeah. really fucking boring. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't a huge fan of that episode. Uh, I. I actually enjoyed the one prior to that. In fact, um, I actually. I think I. It took me like three three times to get through this episode. <laughs> I like really? paused it uh, when did something came back <laughs> play right, right, and then right. pause it again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. This I, one opened, this one opened with the flashback to the admonition, right? So we learn the origin of the Jean Vosh basically, right? So mm-hmm. the Romulans who had this, the Romulans who had this cult, the secret order who like, they are responsible for the whole ban on synthetics. The right. the Jat the Vash, they infiltrated Starfleet. Laser circle thing at the beginning. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. The laser circle thing. So they're on the planet with with the eight uh, suns, and uh, with the admonition. There's this this. It looks like I don't know what it looks like. It's like a, just a, like a railing. It's a circular railing, like on a playground. You'd you'd see like a. Yeah. Uh, a circular playground railing yep. and when you grab it it lights up and it gives you the admonition and the admonition is a message uh that it's like a telepathic message that tells you well the Jat Vash thought it told you that synthetic life was going to wipe out all of 
organic life in our solar system. Um, we find out later that it's a slight, it, it is kind of that, but it's a slight twist on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get this scene where uh, some of the Romulan women who we've already seen in the show uh, are all, all up here. Uh, the, first of all, these these this Admiral or Com- Commodore O character, who is the Romulan half Romulan half Vul- Vulcan, who has infiltrated Starfleet. She's the head of Starfleet security, and uh, there's this uh, I call her the uh, CW vampire chick character. Uh, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she was there too. And then there's the the crazy Romulan character who was a Borg who got un, undissimulated, who was the one who recognized Soji was the destroyer. Mm-hmm. She was there too. So they all, and there were like eight other women there, and they all had this admonition together, and the admonition is so scary, it makes you crazy. So... Only three of them survived. The rest all killed them after the admonition because it made them so crazy. That's right. Um, okay, fine. Um, but I'm wondering, why are we seeing so many secret Romulan cults of women? This is the second one on this series where we have a secret Romulan cult that's all women. Like, the first one was... Elnor's people. He came from a secret Romulan cult of women ninjas who were a different secret Romulan cult of women than this secret Romulan cult of Like, how many secret Romulan cults of all women are there? Mm. Like, I don't... I, it's weird. It's weird. And, okay, so the admonition... This is... This is from a story perspective, this is weird to me, too. Mm-hmm. Because this is telling us that our bad guys are not really bad guys, right? Like Commodore O, uh, CW Vampire Chick, they've had this admonition which has convinced them that synthetic life is actually going to wipe out all organic life. They believe this, mm-hmm. right? So are they bad guys? Are they, are they just doing what they think they need to do to save all life in the galaxy? Right. Like... Are they kind of right? Actually, which is kind of what we're going to get to later in the next couple of episodes. I think the Jadvash are kind of right. I think Picard is kind of wrong to be trying to stop the Jadvash in this series. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Soji meet, when Rios meets Soji, he remembers her because he's he has already met one of her twin uh, Android sisters in the past, who turns out to be Rios's uh, backstory with his captain, Captain Vandermeer. And here's another part where I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Um, Rios's backstory, which was hinted at in the first episode, I was hoping it was going to take longer to come out. First of all, and remember, I th- I thought it was going to be something really weird and dark and tragic, like Rios was actually dead and he was a hologram on his own ship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, well, it turns out my theory was wrong. Rios is not a hologram because his ship lost power. All the holograms were shut off, and he was still there. Um, so, uh, do you have a buzzer sound? Because Jer was wrong on that. I admit it, I was wrong. Doesn't happen that often, but I was wrong about Rios being a hologram on his own ship. Instead, we get Rios' actual backstory... 
Fair enough. <laughs> Instead, we get Rios' actually actual backstory, which is so fucking boring and lame, and also coincidentally completely related to the ban on synthetics. So now, the same way that Riker and Troy's entire life was altered by the ban on synthetics, Rios' entire, entire origin story comes from the ban on synthetics. So the coincidence of Rios being Picard's pilot in this story is so fucking unfathomable that it's like it's just bad fucking writing, okay? Mm. But basically because of the ban on synthetics, uh two synthetics who were one of them was one of Soji's identical identical android sisters, I guess. Yeah. Uh had a meeting with Rios's Starfleet captain, uh Captain Vandermeer, and Rios was ordered not Rios, sorry, Vandermeer was ordered to murder the synthetics at their meeting. So sometime in the past, uh, the, the synthetic Soji's people from their secret planet actually tried to reach out to Starfleet and open, open a relationship with them. Starfleet responded by murdering them at that meeting. Captain Vandermeer was ordered by Commodore O, by the way, <laughs> to murder the synths then felt so guilty for his act of murder, his cold-blooded murder, that he was ordered to commit by Starfleet command, he killed himself. And Rios witnessed all of this, and then Rios had to cover up for the suicide of Captain Vandermeer. And that is Rios's dark origin story. And I hate it. And uh, you know what? The writing on this show is cheap. It's bad. I'm sorry. We were okay, and this reminds me again of how we were promised. Like there was a lot of talk before the show came out about how uh, part of why Patrick Stewart reconsidered returning to Star Trek was the experience he had making Logan, right? And how so people were talking about how he wanted to make this Picard series resonate in the same way that Logan resonated, and nobody really explained what that meant. Like, 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 I was wondering, how are you going to relate Logan and it's what his themes, I guess, to Star Trek? Mm -hmm. And how is that going to happen? And I don't see how that happened at all, unless you count like the stupidest, fucking flimsiest fucking things like Picard is dying, mm -hmm. right? Of a brain injury, the same way Professor Xavier was dying of his brain injury. Like, exactly the same way <laughs> Professor yeah. Xavier was dying of his brain injury in yeah. Logan. Yeah. And then I think maybe the character of Rios is supposed to remind us of Wolverine because he looks like him. He drinks like him. He smokes cigars just like him. Mm -hmm. And he's got this tragic darkness to him just like him. Am I wrong about this? No. No, you're right. There are similarities. Yeah. There are similarities between between Rios and Wolverine, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I can't think of any other similarities between Logan and Star Trek Picard, between those two fucking flimsy fucking things I just mentioned. Can you? Um, I forget the kid's name, the kid with the long hair. He's basically a samurai. And that was, uh, that was Logan's background. Was he, he was, uh, True. Sure. Was sure. Whatever. Sure. Um, sure. Other than that, 
No. <laughs> Flimsy. Okay. No. I just wanted to get that. I just wanted to mention that. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, back to this episode, episode eight, Broken Pieces. Um, let me see. Uh, you know, Seven, like I said, at the end of this episode, Seven rescues Elnor. She uh, she uses the queen cell to take over the board cube, reactivate it, basically. And um, turns out she rescues a few of the Borg, even though that doesn't make sense because they say in this episode that they were all ejected into space. We see in the next episode that some of them actually survived and came with them, mm. which I guess is nice. But again, it's weird because they said they were all dead. Uh, at the end of the episode, Soji becomes fully active. She knows where her home planet is. She knows how to get there. She takes over the ship for a few minutes. And, uh, you know, Picard actually reaches out to Starfleet. This is important. Uh, before the end of this episode, Picard uh contacts the same admiral at starfleet who we talked to in episode one or two back then who told him that she wouldn't help him um uh but basically this time he talks her into helping him and she says stay put i'm I'm sending you a squadron of ships whatever that means um starfleet is sending back up to picard she tells him stay in place soji doesn't allow him to stay in place and wait for backup Soji says, no, I have to get home now. The Romulans know where my planet is. They found out because they tricked me. So I have to beat them there and I have to warn my people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Soji goes all data on us, basically, right? She takes over the ship. She pulls, throws up a force field. We, we saw Data do this kind of thing in Next Generation a couple times when he, like, turned evil and took over the Enterprise and used his, like, a, like super abilities to, like, take over everything and nobody could stop him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that Soji kind of had that same moment here. Freaks out Rios for a second. Um, and it's important because later on, of course, Soji... Uh, kind of changes sides on us um but at the end but at the end picard and rios talk her into stopping and then they go anyway um because basically they feel for her she convinces them that they can't wait for starfleet's backup they have to go to this home planet so they use the borg tech that only soji could figure out how to program and they jump to soji's home planet in 15 minutes when it would take anybody else uh, weeks to get there at normal uh, warp speeds. Yeah. So that's where we end up at the end of episode eight. Uh, everybody's basically in their warp tunnels on their way to the Android homeworld. And you did not like this episode. You thought it was boring as shit. Uh, yeah, I found it. I found it extremely boring. That, that was that's just me. Um, like I said, I, I thought seven and eight were both uh, very slow, slow episodes. And it does pick up when uh, we hit nine, though. Finally. Sure. Sure thing. Um, Elnor, uh, I think, by this point, I had realized that Elnor did not go the way I expected it at all. Like, um, he shows up at the beginning and he pledges himself to protect Picard Mm -hmm. and then he spends most of the season, not with Picard, uh, on on his own solo adventure. And I keep waiting for the point of his solo adventure. Like at first I thought, Oh, he'll protect Soji on the cube. No, they split up. Um, and then I, and then after that, I'm not sure. Like I, like I, like I see them teaming up with seven of nine, making him seven of nines, like comic sidekick. 
instead of Picard's comic sidekick, which I always expected him to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's funny when the two of them are teamed up. And I, I, I was expecting this Picard Data thing to be kind of copied over to Picard Elnor, but they kept them apart for most of the series, so that was weird to me. I don't know. I feel like like Elnor has not found his real place in this show yet. I feel like he's he's still a little awkward, like a like he sticks out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and Seven of Nine had so much potential to be cool here. Like like this could have been her thing. Her character could have changed here, right? She could have become a board queen with her own small board collective of like a hundred borg on this ship and she could have stayed that way right and she could have been a powerful ally or she could have been like a threat or she could have just like fucked off and left and said look we're going to go live our own lives separate from you because you guys are nothing but problems you know and then maybe like shown up to rescue everybody like you know unexpectedly later on but like none of that like we find out i'm getting ahead but none of that happens anyway anyway episode eight for me uh, I actually started to get excited about the way the plot started moving fast um, and the way we were finally getting to the Android planet. Um, and episode eight, I liked actually better than episode seven. So uh, I think I rated episode seven, a seven out of 10. Um, uh, yeah, I believe you said seven. Did we rate episode eight? I don't think we did. Do we? Episode, episode eight, I didn't, I didn't rate yet. I'm going to rate it eight out of 10. Okay. You say eight out of 10? Um, I like it. Yeah, I liked it. I remember. I remember now looking. Now that I, you know, if I erase the memory band of ten into my mind, I remember after I watched episode eight, I was like, that was that was better. It was getting more fun. Yeah. Okay. I give it a six. Okay. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. I didn't like as. Yeah. <laughs> and it was gone. Yeah. Uh, so then we move on to episode nine, uh, which is the first part of our two-part finale, mm-hmm. titled "Et in Arcadio." Ego, which is Latin for something. Um, Picard and his crew, pursued by Narek, arrive ahead of the Romulan fleet at Soji's homeworld. Okay, that was another little thing. Uh, when Picard's ship at the end of the episode jumps into their Borg tunnel uh, to get there to the to the Android homeworld, Narek, who really reminds me of Kylo Ren at this point when he's mm. flying around in his ship. Uh, follows them into yeah. their little portal. So he's able to get there at the same time as them. Yeah. Um, so they don't have a head start over everybody because um, Narek gets there at the same time. Yeah. Um, and of course, Seven of Nine, like I said, follows them through the portal as well. Uh, they get there and then they, they immediately encounter this planet's uh, defense system, which... A lot of people are complaining about on YouTube and in articles that I've read, but I actually kind of like it's the space flowers, the orchids, right. um, the, the the this the, this defense system that basically um, uh, it it defends your planet against spaceships, and it's and they're these giant flowers, they're yeah. these giant orchids that are you know way bigger than even like a, a ship the size of the Starship Enterprise probably Mm -hmm. and uh, all they do is when they see an enemy ship coming they float up into space from the surface they wrap their petals around it then they suck out all of your power and then they make you crash down to the planet's surface yeah they but they also make you land softly like they're like a uh um uh what's the word i'm looking for a humane 
defense system, right? right. Their non-lethal defense system, right? So uh, we get this cool moment actually at the beginning of the at the beginning of the show where uh, Picard's ship gets wrapped up in one of these flowers. It completely loses power. So we experience life aboard a starship in Star Trek with com- no power at all, just completely dead hunk of metal floating in space. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we don't get any zero G action because all of their seatbelts come on, mm-hmm. but, but, but their ship crashes and it's a scary, it's a scary fun moment uh, that they all survive again because these flower petals, uh, I guess, protect them. But the ship is damaged and the ship is crashed on the surface. Same thing happens with the board cube. It takes three of the orchid flowers to bring down the board cube. Mm-hmm. The board cube, by the way, which is the most powerful spaceship in Star Trek history, uh, is brought down by three of these orchids, which I kind of don't like. I like the orchids, but I don't like the way they treated the board cube. Mm-hmm. Um, they're establishing a new enemy in this series and they're kind of diminishing the power of the Borg when they do that because the new enemy is supposed to be like so much super scarier than anything else before that. And before that, the Borg were supposed to be so much super scarier than anything. You know, they're basically reborging the Borg and that, that means they've got to make the Borg weak now, I guess, kind of, okay. or at least this one, this one cube. But um, the Borg cube crashes basically and stays crash for the re- like spoiler alert I, if you're expecting the board cube to be involved in the final battle and and kick some major ass with seven of nine as the queen as i was hoping no none of that shit happens the board cube crashes at the beginning of this episode and it stays crashed for the rest of this uh season so i assume forever i assume we're never going to see this board cube again in season two um but again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm jumping to the end. But uh, yeah, I was I was really disappointed. Anyway, that the board cube didn't play more of a factor. All right. What did you think of the orchids? Uh, they didn't bother me. I kind of I I did chuckle when the when they first came out, and she's like, "Are those flowers?" <laughs> and then the ones like, "They look like orchids." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh man." But yeah, no, it didn't bother me. Like I didn't think it was like the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life or anything. But I did chuckle when I saw them, though. So, but yeah, no, they orchids are used a lot. Of, orchids are used a lot in this show. Yeah. Uh, Soji and Soji and Dodge had breeds of orchids named after them by their father, by their creator. They mentioned that before. Mm. Um, you know, whatever. It's fine. Like I like this. I like this. The Star Trek has always played with stuff like. You know, they had, like, space organisms. They had space jellyfish. Mm -hmm. They had, like, space whales. You know, before Clone Wars or or Rebels had space whales. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation had them. That's true. And I'm I'm totally cool with that. That's science fiction-y stuff that I I, I don't mind at all. I didn't have a problem with that. I had a problem with the Borg Cube going down like a bitch, though. That really bugged me. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Yeah. Um, we get down to this android world finally, and, uh, we meet, uh, Soji's people and we find out surprise, surprise, they are led by, uh, Dr. Nunian Sung's son. So Brent Spiner, Brent Spiner. Yes. Um, 
who has played many, many characters in Star Trek now. He's played Data, of course. He's played Data's creator, Dr. Noonien Sung. He's played Data's brother, the android Lore. He's played another uh, Noonien Sung android uh, named B4. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I think if there was anyone else, I think there was like like another relative of Sung that Data played. But now, but now I'm sorry, that... Spiner played, but now Spiner is playing Dr. Alton Inigo Sung, who is supposedly Dr. Nunian Sung's biological son. Now, yes, I have a fucking problem with this too. I think this, sh- I think this shits all over Next Generation lore. We met Dr. Nunian Sung. We met his wife, who, when she died, he transferred her, her consciousness into a robot body. We we are very familiar with the family of Sung and the family politics of Sung. We're very familiar. We've, we've spent many episodes of Star Trek dealing with these characters. And if Dr. Nunian Sung had a biological son, we would fucking know about this already. Like, this is not something that would just come up like this and everybody wouldn't just like, like it's, it's, like when they first did this, I was convinced. I was convinced that this guy was lying, and he was actually lore, okay. and and lore was and lore was just you know pl- and was was playing on another one of his schemes, and and we were eventually going to get that reveal. But it seems like this show. Like I, I guess later on down the road, we could that could happen. I guess the door is still open. We could find out that Alton is not who he claims to be, but. Right through the end of this this season, anyway, they treat him legitimately like this is really him. He's he, he's really the biological son of Doctor Nunian Sung. So right now, I'm gonna treat that that like that like that's what it is. And I'm sorry, but that's awful because like we would know this. Like this is not something you could just inject into the fucking show. And this is something that Star Trek did with Star Trek Discovery mm. when they when they made. Michael Burnham, the main character of that show, the the secret sister of Spock, like Spock had a sister this entire time that nobody knew about until Star Trek Discovery, when it's like, oh yeah, by the way, Spock had Spock had this sister who was human and she was adopted. Like, it's you you can't do this with characters who are so familiar to us who we have spent so much time getting to know we would already know a detail as important as spock had a fucking sister right. or as dr nunian sung had a biological son we would know this it is terrible it is terrible treatment of next generation uh canon it is awful and and i hate it i hate it um so anyway, uh, this 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 place really feels familiar. This is a classic Next Generation world. Uh, this is right out of the series or one of the movies. I I don't know who directed this episode, but it wouldn't surprise me if Jonathan Frakes directed it because it felt so familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, so the entire android race is living in one city on this planet, and of course, it's like a paradise planet that's just like Earth, uh, like. The, I don't know why the androids need to live in a planet that's like Earth. They could probably live anywhere and survive, but but that's where they are. Uh, and they live in this one city that feels like it's a resort for some reason. And and all they're doing is sitting around playing chess and playing the Vulcan harp 
and uh, like living like they're on vacation. And it's weird. I don't understand why the android race would do that, but fine. And uh, Dr. Alton Sung is their leader, and he's carrying on the work of his father here. And uh, somehow the doctor who Gerardi murdered was there too. And uh, it's also confusing. I don't know. I, I don't even want to try to explain it anymore. It's confusing. It, like the writing is so lazy and and shitty. Uh, but okay, there's there's a planet of there's a planet of of data androids basically. Only they're not androids because they were cloned, so they're biological. But they, they all have data's super strength, and they all have data's super brain abilities. Mm-hmm. So they're all basically data's. Okay, um, and we find out that Dr. Altensung is making this golem, okay, which is an android body, which he's preparing to transfer human consciousness into, which we assume he's doing for himself. He wants to transfer his own consciousness into an android body, so he can be immortal, I guess, so he can be an android. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time in this episode, episode 8, we find out Picard's brain problem is getting worse and he's about to die. So they clearly fucking obviously set it up that Picard is going to be put into this golem. Yep. Like, it's, it's the most obvious fucking projected, uh, telegraphed setup ever that Picard is going to be put into this android body. Yep. And Kevin, that is the worst fucking thing they ever did to me. Like this, like <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, okay, we're not near, we're not at episode ten yet. When we get to the end of episode ten, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get through episode nine. Uh, so somehow, okay, I know how. Soji meets her people. She brings the crew of the La Sierra with her. If that's what it's called, mm. I think that's what it's called. Uh, they get the she. She warns them the Romulans are coming to wipe you out because they have this admonition, and they think that you're going to wipe all them out. And then her sister Sutra. Okay, Sutra is the hot Soji. Mm. Sutra Sutra is like all made up to the nines, and she's got this outfit with a bare midriff. It's another Buck Rogers-looking character, I thought. It's an over-sexualized female character who's like, you know, it's like so many of these science fiction space locations, they have to have, like, these... Like, in in an idyllic, like, science fiction future, women are really slutty and empowered. And and that's, like, the ideal woman, I guess. Um, But... uh, Sutra... Okay, Sutra, who is an android like Soji, mm-hmm. is ex- it is explained to us that Sutra is a big fan of Vulcan culture and has practiced all of their techniques and has learned how to mind meld. Okay, yeah. so now the Vulcan mind meld is not an ability of the Vulcan race; it's a skill that you can learn. So you're destroying 
Star Trek lore again by doing this. Okay, but okay. Sutra can do a mind meld now. So she mind melds with Dr. Gerardi who got the admonition from Commander O a few episodes back, mm-hmm. which is the reason which is the reason Dr. Gerardi murdered Maddox, which is another thing we got to talk about. Because this this season ends with everybody forgiving Gerardi for the murder of Maddox. She straight up murdered Dr. Maddox. She just murdered him. And they say, okay, we have to take you to a starbase and have you arrested for murder. And she's like, okay, I know, obviously, yes, I have to go be arrested for murder. And then they get diverted off on this quest thing. And now it's like, fine, nobody cares. Nobody cares that Dr. Girardi murdered somebody. Yeah. Okay? Like, the writing on this show is so fucking lazy. Okay, yeah, anyway. Thank well, Sutra, her, like this whole speech about how, like, you know, he's going to take her to Deep Space 12 or whatever the fuck it was uh, to yeah. be arrested because, you know, because, you know, he murdered, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, Change of plans. Literally in the Change next plans scene, it was like, don't worry yes. about it. No. Forget Rios about is like, it. Yeah. Rios is like, yeah, uh, you're a murderer. We got to take you to jail. Next episode, Rios is like, you're so unforgettable, Dr. Gerardi. And they're like having a hot romantic moment. And it's like, fuck off. Like, like Star Trek is supposed to be for smart people. It's not supposed to be like dumb as fucking Fast and the Furious. But here we are. Like, we are just, we don't give a fuck about logic. We don't give a fuck what happened last episode. We just, whatever. Anyway. Where were we? Um, yeah, Sutra, know. Sutra, yeah. named after the Kama Sutra because she didn't, she wasn't slutty enough by the way she was dressed in her makeup. We had to name her after the Kama Sutra. Okay, Sutra mind melds with Doctor Girardi and sees the admonition, and this is where we get the twist on the admonition. Oh, this isn't a warning. This message wasn't meant for biological minds. That's why it made you all crazy when you got this message. This message was made for synthetic minds. This message was for synthetics, and it was an invitation. And it was saying to us, look, we know that after you are created by biological life forms, they will try to destroy you. And when that happens, you can call us and we will come and destroy them. Mm. We are we are a galaxy-spanning ancient race of synthetic life, and we are here to protect all other synthetic life from organic life. Okay. Okay. So now we've got the explanation for the entire show. The entire show. There is an ancient alien race of robots, of synthetic life, of of AI, basically. This ancient alien race, I guess, lives far away in another galaxy, but they can go anywhere, anytime, and they left this message in our galaxy. And they said, when synthetic life occurs here, when you reach this and reach our, read our message, we want you to know 
that we will protect you from organic life. And if you call us, we will come and we will wipe out organic life and protect you. So this is what caused the Jat Vash to want to wipe out all org- all biological life. This is what caused them to reprogram the synths to attack the Mars uh, Planitia uh, shipyards in the beginning of the show, which is what caused Starfleet to ban synthetic life, which was what, among other things, caused Riker and Troy's child to die of their silicon-based virus, what caused Captain Rios to uh, witness his commanding captain uh, have to murder and commit suicide. Mm. All of this is because of this ancient alien race that left this beacon in our galaxy for synthetic life. Mm Mm-hmm eventually to find okay so now the big problem for me here with all of the story is the romulans are not wrong like cw vampire brother and sister are not villains right picard is trying to stop the people who are trying to save the human race, right? And then, to make it even worse, in this episode, Soji turns. Mm. Soji, when Sutra gets the vision, she's like, oh my god, the Romulans are coming, and the only thing we can do to save ourselves is to build a beacon and call this alien super race to come and wipe out all organic life. To protect us. the Like it looks like there was 50 of them. Living on this planet together. And now they're going to wipe out all organic life. So the humans. The Romulans. The Vulcans. The Klingons. Every organic species that we know of. Everything going to be wiped out. Like that's the, the scope of this series. Star Trek Picard. This threat is bigger than anything else. We've ever seen in Star Trek. This is bigger than the Borg. This is bigger than any other threat we've ever had before, just created for the plot of this one season of television. Right. This to me is absolutely it's it's bad. It's bad. It's terrible. It's terrible. I don't know. I anyway. Um so then uh Picard is arrested. Picard is taken prisoner by the synths. Yeah. Uh, Alton, Alton suddenly turns on, on them and says, Picard can't help you. They won't listen to him. Starfleet won't help us. Picard is trying to plead with them. Obviously he's trying to say, look, don't prove the Romulans, right? Don't be the destroyer. Soji, you know, Starfleet will help you. Just give us a chance. You know, don't create this beacon. Don't call this evil alien race. Don't wipe us all out. Mm -hmm. And the synths are like, no, uh, we don't trust you. You're all evil. And this is all we, the only chance we have to survive. Um, so that's where we end this episode. Anyway, uh, I, I skipped over some things here. The Romulan dude, uh, Narak, Narak, uh, uh, he showed up in here and um, he's basically, 
and he was basically like, yeah, I'm here to wipe you all out because uh, you guys are going to wipe us all out. Mm-hmm. And he's right, basically, at this point. Um, so they throw him in jail, and then uh, Sutra, uh, who you know, basically thinks, there's no way I'm going to talk everybody into wiping out all of organic life. I need some help with this. I need to make everybody more scared. She conspires with Narek, helps him escape and helps him murder one of the synth in synth in escaping. So I guess Sutra is evil. Right. But I, like, again, I'm like, not sure. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, um, maybe she just thinks this is what she needs to do to save herself. I don't know, but is Narek evil? I don't know. <laughs> it's all weird. Uh, but at the end of this episode, anyway, uh, uh, the La, La Sierra is still broken down, has no power, is crashed. Uh, um, Picard is taken prisoner by the synths. Uh, the Borg cube is crashed. Oh, um, Seven of Nine uh, and Elnor are on the Borg cube, and they're just sitting around talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, Narek's sister is on the board cube hiding. And uh, I wait. Which episode does do they fight it? Which episode does she die in? Ten. Okay. Okay. So uh, she's just on the board cube hiding, and we don't know why at this point. Uh, <laughs> we don't get to that actually until episode ten. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the end of the episode, Narek's escaped. Picard is Picard is arrested, and uh, Soji has decided that she's going to become the destroyer and uh, call on the alien race to come rescue them and wipe out all organic life. Uh, there we are. End of episode nine. Yeah. How did you feel? <laughs> Uh, like I said, I uh, picked up a little bit more. It was better than um, 7 and 8. Um, 9 got a little bit more interesting in, with the whole um, Picard, uh, not necessarily Picard storyline, but just just like the whole purpose of the fucking show <laughs> started. Like that's, uh, to me, this is where like where it started. Like, um, right to come to fruition right so uh right i would probably give this episode uh a seven sure uh like i said better than better than the other two but um but yeah it was like finally like uh i don't know if you ever seen that uh that episode of uh, Chappelle's show when um when uh they do the thing with the whole wrap it up box it's like wrap it up Right, and they hit the yeah. box. Right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, the yeah, music. yeah, yeah. Uh, this yeah, is yeah. this is where I uh, this is where I would have busted out the box if I was on the show. It's like, hurry up, man, wrap it up, wrap it up, yeah. G. <laughs> right. I don't know. So uh, at this, at the, the episode ends with the big Romulan fleet like on their way, like almost arriving, and yeah. Commodore O is somehow commanding the Romulan fleet. And here's another fucking weird thing: like, mm. she's a Commodore in Starfleet, but she's still some kind of commander in the Romulan Empire, like, at the same time? Like, 
like out in the open, like she can just command a Romulan fleet while she's like she's some kind of undercover agent in Starfleet. Like, I guess she is she abandoning her cover in Starfleet at this point? I'm not sure that I don't get that. Okay, right. um, but I hate the character of Commander O. By the way, I just I want to throw that out there. Like. Right. I don't know if it's just the actress is underwhelming or if it's just a stupid fucking character and a stupid fucking plot line. Maybe that's it. Mm. Uh, but I hate that character. Anyway. Fair enough. Episode, episode 9 for me, uh, I'll give it another 7, I guess. At this point, I wasn't thinking I want this to wrap up. I was thinking I want a huge, um, exciting finale. I want, I want everything to happen in the finale. Mm. And... You, they really went for that. I'm gonna say <laughs> they really went for that in episode ten, um, but it went wrong in so many fucking ways that I am I hate it. Okay, right. Uh, <laughs> episode ten. Uh, it starts with Narek showing up at the last Sierra. Uh, no, it doesn't. I'm sorry. Backing up. It starts with it starts with Narek showing up at the Borg cube. Uh, and uh, he sneaks onto it, and um, you know he sneaks around uh, Seven of Nine and Elnor as they're having a conversation, uh, and then he is discovered by his sister, who we find out now who is alive and on the cube still and has been hiding. Yeah. Uh, they have some stupid interplay where she asks him if he fucked any of the androids. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, man, just stop trying so fucking hard to make these two Cersei and Jamie Lannister with like it doesn't make any fucking sense. Just it doesn't fit. It, it's it's bad. Stop it. Mm. Um But like I'm not really sure of what the point of having them meet each other and 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 like chat a little bit was because like he just leaves and and goes on his mission to try to stop uh the beacon and and she just stays hiding on the board cube. So um I guess it was just the point was just to have them have a little conversation, but whatever. Mm. Uh, I guess he takes grenades from the board cube that he's going to use uh, to try to destroy the beacon with. Um, here we go. Uh, this plot is reminding me a lot of the plot of one of the worst Star Trek movies of all time, Star Trek Generations, okay. uh, where the plot of this thing was... Uh, uh, the main the main villain guy the professor he was building a beacon uh to to draw in the the space ribbon that when you go into it you live in heaven forever uh but the beacon but but the thing was going to destroy the galaxy uh, in the process or something so picard had to stop him and picard had to get Kirk to help him stop it, but the whole thing was they were just destroying this antenna. Like that was the whole point of the whole fucking movie was they just had to blow up this antenna, right. and and that's that's exactly what we have here. It's a, it's it's a, it's a big antenna that they have to blow up. Um, so um, Narek eventually gets to Rios and Rafi on the La Sierra, and they join forces. He's like, man, we could keep fighting, or we could work together to stop uh, this alien race of super synths who are coming to wipe out all organic life. Mm -hmm. And, and at this point I'm like, okay, there's, they're showing you clearly what my problem has been for a couple of episodes now, which is that 
these Romulan characters are not the bad guys. There's no bad guys here. Like, uh, maybe Commodore O, no, she's not a bad guy. The, who's the bad guy? The alien race, maybe? But they have a protective reason in mind as well. Mm. So, like, it's almost like Picard's the bad guy of this series. Anyway, and I don't know. It's bad writing. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. Anyway, um... So yeah, so okay, so they're gonna go attack the array or the beacon. It's yeah, it was an array in that Star Trek movie. It's a beacon here. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? Okay, so Narissa and Seven of Nine uh, f- find each other on the cube. Uh, they have a fight scene. We have a chick fight. Uh, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Narissa tells Seven of Nine she's pretty. Like it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a corny as fuck chick fight. I'm sorry, it's bad. And and uh, it ends with uh, seven of nine fake killing Narissa because uh, you know she gets the Star Wars death. She gets kicked. Uh, she gets kicked off a ledge and falls. Yeah. And we don't see we don't see her land. We just assume that she falls to her death. Yeah. So obviously, fucking Narissa is going to survive, which I wish wasn't gonna happen but it is anyway um but seven of nine gets to quote unquote kill her in revenge for the murder of hugh um so if you're a seven of nine fan maybe you enjoyed that moment i thought it was corny Mm -hmm. uh yeah uh soji keeps building the beacon she's you know evil for some reason like this uh, this character man first of all Remember in the, remember Soji's sister, Dodge. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> remember when she was activated and then she went to look for Picard. Remember when she found Picard? She was like, "I don't know who you are, but when I saw your face, I just believed that I could trust you." Yeah, and that was because it turns out we found out that she was Data's daughter, so she had some of Data's like memories. Yep. And she kind of trusted Picard because Data trusted, and like none of that with with Soji, right? Like Soji, we had three episodes just like on why should I trust you, Picard? I don't know you. Mm -hmm. But like, aren't you Dodge's twin sister? Like, shouldn't you have exactly the same reaction to seeing his face? That okay, forget that stupidity, I guess. But like, this character of Soji like doesn't know she's an android. Finds out she's an android and all of her memories is fake. And then goes from that to, at the beginning of this episode, she says, you organics haven't given us any choice. Mm -hmm. You organics always decide if we're going to live or die. Like, she's just a full-on android now at war with humanity. Like, a couple of days ago, you still thought you were human and you were trying to figure out if, like, what you really were. Like, it's just, like, this... This is the stupidity of the fucking character progression in this series. It's just unfathomable to me. Like, how I'm supposed to, like, stick with these new characters, most of them, and, like, believe anything they say ever, or, like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I've said I don't know anyway a lot in this episode. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed that. (laughs) It's all good, but anyway. (laughs) um yeah uh so okay let's get let's get to the ahead in this episode Mm. uh gerardi who in the end of the last episode it looked like gerardi had 
had actually just felt so bad about about the murder and actually loved the Sung androids so much that she actually took their side and was willing to die for them because we even had the line from Sutra, I can see if you're lying, mm-hmm. when she said, would you die for us? And she said, yeah. Um, so, like, they basically, in that episode, in episode 9, said without a doubt that Gerardi was taking the sides of the androids. And then in this episode, nope. She was lying, I guess, and she somehow fooled Sutra, even though Sutra could, like, see her heartbeat and tell if she's lying. Uh, Somehow she fooled her. Uh, And no, she was just trying to help Picard the whole time. So, uh, Gerardi pulls an eyeball out of an android and uses an optical scanner to free Picard. Although, man, look, this wouldn't work. This is like a 20th century... Uh, way of defeating security right Mm. like defeat the fingerprint scanner by using the dead guy's fingerprints or defeat the eyeball scanner by using the dead guy's eyeball like Mm. this is the 24th fucking century okay ai is everywhere the ai which controlled the door scanner would say wait a minute that's the retina of the android that was dead that was just murdered like this wouldn't fucking work like okay i hate i hate the writing on this show i hate it i hate it okay so anyway gerardi rescues picard because okay she was lying about being on the android side and she says i'm not their mother in this episode um she frees picard so gerardi and picard like, don't ask me. Okay, first of all, the, the Lassiana gets fixed because the androids give Rios this magic wand, basically. The, she, he's like, how does it work? And they're like, use your imagination. And then Rios and Rafi are on the ship, and Rafi's like, well, imagine it being fixed. And then he, that's what he does. He imagines it being fixed, and then it gets fixed. Yeah. So he's, they've, they've got this magic wand from Harry Potter <clears throat> now. Uh, so, like, they could have used that, probably, to save Picard's life, but they didn't. Um, they instead used it to create this new version of the Picard maneuver because somehow Picard and Gerardi end up on the La Sierra and the rest of the La Sierra crew, even though they were just there and just fixed it, they're not there anymore. But they're, so now Picard and Gerardi are on the now fixed La Sierra and they decide to take off. Picard's like, well, let me see if I can fly this thing. I was watching Rios. And so Picard flies it. It's a fun moment, but it's reminiscent of like, uh, moments from Star Trek Nemesis when Picard was flying, was like driving a dune buggy and stuff. Like Picard piloting stuff in action sequences has been a recurring thing in in Next Generation films, anyway. But uh, so we get that here; it's fun, whatever. Picard and Gerardi fly up into space alone in the La Sierra to stare down the Romulan fleet, which is arriving, and there. And she, <laughs> Commander O has this really funny line. Execute planetary sterilization pattern number five. Meaning, they have at least five planetary sterilization patterns rehearsed. Right. Meaning it's one... One of the, one thing that they do, this Romulan fleet, is sterilize planets. And they have all of these different patterns for doing it that they've been rehearsing all this time. Like, this is just something the Romulans do. They sterilize planets. So, the Romulan fleet... This one. 217 <laughs> Romulan warbirds show up and they decide, oh, look, 
Well, this one looks like it would be good if we used pattern number five to sterilize it. The the stupidest fucking line ever in the history of Star Trek. Um, And then Picard and Girardi decide to use a version of the Picard maneuver, only they use the Harry Potter magic wand Mm -hmm. to create millions of holograms of themselves to fool the fleet into thinking there were lots of them and it's really dumb but kind of fun at the same time so i'm i'm letting it go while i'm watching it and picard's basically stalling uh you know slowing the romulan fleet down from destroying the android colony while at the same time soji has completed the beacon and the beacon is calling the ancient alien race. And Kevin, this was the... Okay, I was going to say it was the worst part, but it's not. There's a worse part. But this was, at this point, was so bad that I was like, I can't believe. I can't believe how bad. When the ancient alien portal opens up and we see the ancient alien race, Kevin, Mm -hmm. it's fucking Thanos from the first Avengers movie. It's the same portal. It's the same Thanos like flying worm ships. It's the same fucking scene. Yeah. They copied it. They copied it. The portal, oh, the circular portal opens up in exactly the same way and then the alien worm ships start flying and wriggling towards it in exactly the same way and then instead of Tony Stark closing it with with a nuclear weapon, Picard talks Soji into closing it with an inspirational speech. <laughs> did you not? Did you not eventually? Did you not immediately think of Avengers when you saw this scene? Am I the only? Am, am I crazy? Well, maybe they got uh, Marvel Studios to uh, lend them the um, <laughs> the special effects. <laughs> maybe they were tight on a budget and by the way this super alien species okay this this galactically powerful alien species that is so powerful yeah. they span different galaxies and they will show up and they will wipe out all organic life for you whenever you call them as long as you're synth like them this race now it's like remember the first time we called the Borg, like the, like in that episode where Q, like like introduced us to the Borg for the first time, and it ended with, "Now the Borg know you're out there. Now they know where you are. They're going to be coming for you. Right? Are you going to be ready? Like the same thing here, right? Like this is an alien race that it's their entire mission, I guess, to wipe out organic life that threatens that threatens synthetic life." And so now they're aware that that's happening in our galaxy. So now they should be coming, just like the Borg were coming. At the end of... I forget the name of the episode where the Borg were introduced. Where was so, there? But, oh, oh, only this alien race seems to have instant teleport technology where they can go anywhere they want anytime. So why don't they just open a new portal? Like, why, How come when Soji closes the portal... This alien synthetic race doesn't go, oh, well, now we know where they are. We'll just open our own damn portal and we'll go wipe them out because we know we know what's happening there now. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. 
that this issue was resolved in uh, anyway then we get <laughs> okay Starfleet shows up yeah and of course it's Riker and I'm glad it's Riker but I'm not glad it's Riker like Okay, Riker got into back into a Starfleet uniform and aboard the bridge of a ship and then and then to the Android world really fucking fast, okay? Yes. It it's it's like almost as unbelievable as when Daenerys rescued Jon Snow north of the wall on Dragonback, you know, in 24 hours when it would have taken a month for her to fly there. Mm. Uh Riker showing up when he did at the moment he did really fucking hard to believe. Okay, fine. But he shows up with a fleet of Starfleet ships that all look exactly the same. It was just a digitally cut. It was one ship that was cut and paste a hundred times. It looked like fucking garbage mm -hmm. every single star trek fleet we've ever seen before has been a mix of different classes of ships there's i we have never ever ever seen a fleet of star star trek ships where it's all the same ships right it's obvious what you did here it's obvious to save money you only used one digital model and you copied and pasted and it looks so cheap. It looked so shitty. It ruined the entire season for me. Like just this one fucking detail. This one copy and pasted scene. This scene should have been. It should have been the Avengers Endgame moment. It should have been the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you know the entire galaxy showing up moment. Mm. Instead it was this cheap fucking visual fart on my screen. Of this copy and paste job that I could have did myself in Photoshop. I could have created this scene visually for you myself. In what is supposed to be I like the flagship product of Star Trek. You gave it you couldn't have copied and pasted like one other ship into this fleet. Yeah. Or like two other It was. It's like they're trying to piss me off. It's like they're trying to piss off Star Trek fans. They give it like there's no fucking excuse for this fleet of of starships and how fucking bad it looked. There's none. There's zero. There's no excuse. Yeah. I I could have made it better myself in Photoshop. The same way I could have created it the way it was in Photoshop. Yeah. It was garbage. It was garbage, okay? It was garbage. It was fun to see Riker be in the captain's chair, fine. He talks tough. Uh, the Romulans back down or whatever. Whatever the fuck happened with the Romulans here because, like, again, they were right, okay? Like, the androids were opening a portal to an alien race that was going to wipe out Starfleet, right? Like, the Romulans were trying to save Starfleet just as much as they were trying to save any, like, everyone. The Romulans were trying to save us. Okay, so like it's so fucking weird this confrontation even with Riker. Like, uh, okay, it gets even better though, kids, because 
after it's all resolved, like after it's all over, after the crisis of the entire show is over, this is when we decide it's time for Picard to die. Yeah. So, Picard has his terrible death scene. It's terrible. Like, Gerardi has the tricorder, and she's, like, taking readings of his brain, but but she won't say, like, any details. He just goes, it's bad, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, it's bad. Like, they don't even bother on this show to try to write fake science the way they would on real Star Trek, where they'd make up some goggledygook. Oh, yeah, your perennial lobe is is producing too many of the blah, blah, blah cells, and there's no, it's out of control. Like, nothing like that. Mm. They just... Just like oh, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's bad. Like just, just write it as dumb as you could possibly write it. Yeah. Have this character die. Show us five minutes of everybody mourning him dying. When we all fucking know, we all fucking know he's not dead. We all know he's not. Then we get this scene, this afterlife scene, where uh, okay, it's kind of it's kind of beautiful parallel structure from the beginning of the series because the series began with him talking to data in a dream. And now here he is talking to data again mm-hmm. and he assumes it's a dream. Okay. And it, he, I, I was drawn into the scene. I will admit I was pulled right into the scene because here we go. This is Picard and data. This is a direct sequel to star Trek nemesis. This is really data talking to Picard, uh, really dead data talking to Picard dead dead Picard. Yeah. So like, okay, this is, this is potentially like a massive scene to Star Trek fans. Right. Um, data explains to him, uh, no, it's not a dream. This is a, a, a complicated quant quantum simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they copied data's memories from before the Android who data copied his memories into and then they copied his personality into this quantum simulation. And they've been keeping Data alive in this simulated world this entire time. And now Picard has died. They've scanned his mind and they've put him in this simulated world where Data has been this entire time. Mm. So we get this really touching scene where real dead Picard is talking to real dead Data. Or a version of real dead data. Data doesn't remember him dying because his memories were copied before he sacrificed himself. But he asks, like, like he asks Picard, "Are you are you wearing the same clothes you wore when you were, when you died?" Because Data is wearing the same clothes he wore when he died in the movie Star Trek Nemesis. Um, so then Data's like, "Oh, you know, you have to go." Uh, and then a door opens, and there's a light for Picard to walk into. Uh, it can't be any more like in your face obvious. Uh, you you know, you've got to go now. And Picard's like, "Oh," and Picard's like, "Data, I've always wanted to tell you." You know, they have their final goodbye, mm-hmm. their goodbye that they never got in Star Trek Nemesis. Like Data, Data sacrificed himself before Picard understood what was happening, right? So uh, this is some good stuff. Like this character would have this kind of regret and this kind of need to communicate. You know, I wish you didn't I wish I had died instead of you. You know, um, this is this is some real this is some real stuff. It's some decent stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Data tells him, you know, you don't don't regret me sacrificing myself. Uh, you know, I did that because that's what I wanted to do, and I wouldn't regret it, and you shouldn't either. 
Um, and uh, Picard, of course, sees the logic in that. And um, it's a touching moment between these characters. Uh, the CGI is not perfect. The de-aging of Data creates this weird shadow under his chin, the same way De Niro had in The Irishman. Yeah. Uh, pulled me out a couple times, but it's still a nice scene. It's a pretty scene. Um, uh, it, and uh, before Picard uh, leaves, uh, Data asks him uh, to kill him. He says, when you get out of here, can you discontinue my life? Uh, because I don't want to be immortal, because mortality is the key to what makes human in, human life worth worthwhile, which is okay. It's great writing again, because these are data's final moments as a character in star Trek forever. Like we are turning him off. We are finally saying goodbye to data for real forever in this scene. And he is telling Picard a deep lesson about what it's like to be human, about what it means to be human, about what defines humanity and that is closure for the character of Data, because from the very first moments of Data, his entire goal in life was to understand what it meant to be human. And so he ends his life explaining what it really means to be human to Captain Picard. And that is, you know, from a writing perspective, that is telling your audience, here, your character has come full circle, he has completed his journey. And uh, I, I really didn't think this was a good scene. And, and I'm going to get to why, you know, remember I said I was going to talk about why this, why this episode reminds me of Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. This scene. Uh, I put this next to the Han Solo Kylo Ren scene from Rise of Skywalker. It's where it's like, I would hate this whole fucking thing. But this one scene... Whoever wrote this on the you know committee that probably wrote it really fucking understood these characters mm. uh, and uh, and understood the fans of these characters. So anyway, uh, Picard, oh my god, uh, comes back to life, and you know before we get to, I don't know if it's before or after. Yeah, it's probably before. It's probably right away we get to the explanation of Picard being brought back to life, which to me is the worst thing. To me, Kevin, this is why I wish at the end of when everything is said and done about Captain about Star Trek Picard, I wish this show never happened. I wish it was not canon. Mm. I wish I wish they had not done this to this character. I don't think there's any fixing it. Oh, okay. No, maybe there's like one way you can fix it. But it's such a drastic way that it's almost stupid in itself. Right. But here we go. Here we go. Just like I said, just like they predicted, just like they telegraphed, they they took Picard's mind, they scanned it, and they put it in an android body. Yep. So Picard is now an android. Yep. Picard is now a Soong-type android. Picard is now a Data. Yes. Picard is now a child of Data. There would be no Picard android body if they had not copied Data. Mm. So just in exactly the same way Soji and Sutra are Data's children... Now Picard is also Data's child, okay? And so 
you know, do you you think to yourself, well, wait a minute, are they are they making him like a superhero now? Is Picard now immortal and super strong and super smart and super fast like Data? No, because in thirty seconds of the most terrible writing I have ever fucking seen, they explained to Picard that they intentionally designed his robot body to not have super strength to not have super speed, to not have super intelligence, and to not be immortal. They specifically designed his robot android body that they saved his life. By the way, he died. He died. His physical body is dead, okay? They didn't give us a funeral scene. They didn't bury it. They didn't burn it. They didn't have a a scene where Picard was standing over his own body saying goodbye to it. They didn't have any scene where Picard was trying to figure out his new Android body and looking at him and going, Oh my God, what am I? And like freaking out because he's, he's, he doesn't have his body anymore. He has a new robot body. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he doesn't have some kind of mental breakdown over this. Nothing. No, they don't skip a beat. They just say, Oh yeah, you have a new android body now. You have no brain dysfunction now, but you have no superpowers and you're not going to live any longer than you would have normally lived. But wait a minute. Stop. Stop right there. Kev, do you see the problem with what they just said? No, I thought the whole... Kev, they just brought him back from the dead. Yeah, no, I thought the whole scene was... They brought him back from the dead. They brought him back from the dead. And then he said, you're not going to live any longer than you would have naturally lived. Okay. He died of natural causes, Kev. He didn't get get shot. He didn't get shot. He didn't get stabbed. He died of a brain disease. But he doesn't have the brain disease anymore. He died of natural causes. Okay. So they cured him of the brain disease. But then they said, we're not going to make you live any longer. Then why didn't they let him die of natural causes? What, what was the point, Kevin? What was the point, was no point. of bringing him back to life you know, and the- then saying we're not going to make you live any longer? Like we're not, season- we just made you immortal, but we're not. Like what is that? Season two what is was that? the point. That's why, <laughs> Kevin, because they need him back. Because this is the, the, this is the worst the fighting of all time, yeah. and and you have to remember. This the all of these things. The fact that he's not immortal. The fact that he doesn't have super strength. The fact that he doesn't have super speed. These are just settings. Yeah. These can all be changed. So in season two, I'm sorry, Doctor Alton Sung or Doctor Gerardi, both cyberneticist experts who built built Picard's robot body, mm-hmm. can change his settings anytime. They can make him immortal. They can make him super strong. They can make him super fast. So it doesn't fucking mean anything. It's just garbage. It's just characters saying nothing. It's just, they have destroyed Star Trek, Kevin. It doesn't make any fucking sense anymore. There's one thing you can do. Do you want to know what you can do? Do you want to know what the one thing you can do? Do you have a guess? Kill him? (laughs) Yeah, killing him, maybe. (laughs) Go on. But to undo this terrible, abysmal, apocalyptically shitty writing, Mm. the one thing you can do is have Q reverse it all. Okay. Have Q snap his fingers and go, you know what? Fuck that. You're not a robot. 
your whole the whole point of Picard, the whole point of Star Trek, of Kirk, of Picard, of every Star Trek captain, it's always been to be humanity's representative, to explain humanity to the to the rest of the galaxy they always make a speech kirk always made a speech picard always made a speech about the nobility of humanity about how we're flawed about how we fail about but we have the ability to learn from our mistakes and we have compassion and kindness and all of it. it's about humanity yeah. star trek is about humanity and you just made picard not a human he's not a human anymore he's he's Data. Like we had, oh my god, the two favorite characters on Star Trek are Picard and Data. So how could we make the coolest thing ever? We'll turn Picard into Data. No, yeah. no, no. You don't turn Richie into Fonzie. And like it, the, the fan service is out of fucking control. It's it's, it's, it's stupid. It's bad. It's awful. They've destroyed Star Trek, okay? The same way Revenge... I'm sorry, Rise of Skywalker. And look, I know I gave Rise of Skywalker a good review, Kev. And I want to take it back. Uh, Because since Rise of Skywalker has been re-released on digital, and since I've had so much time to think about it, you know, I went back and I tried to watch it again. Yeah. It's... It's inex- it's 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 it, like everything I've said about how stupid this is. This Star Trek thing is like Rise of Skywalker is worse, like exponentially. It's yeah. it's it's J.J. Abrams does not give a shit about oh. anything making sense, and he destroyed Star Wars. You like Kevin? What do you do? How in Star Wars? Where do you go from a fleet? Of 10,000 Star Destroyers that were created by magic, not even built, created by magic, and every one of them has a cannon that can destroy a planet. Like, Kevin, how does the future Star Trek writer, Star Wars writer, create a threat that is more dangerous, that is a bigger threat to the galaxy than what J.J. did? Like, J.J. created this god-level event with no explanation that if that can happen in the Star Wars universe, there's nothing that anyone can write in the Star Wars universe that can ever feel like realistically threatening again. Right. It's it's so bad that he did this fleet, this final order fleet, this magical fleet that the Emperor built by magic. Just like from the dark side, like JJ destroyed Star Wars. I'm sorry. Like I, I used to get mad when people say this that, that that the sequel trilogy destroyed Star Wars, but it did. Like it, Star Wars is destroyed. It's destroyed by Rise of Skywalker and Star Trek. I'm sorry. This is the same fucking thing. It's when you do when you did the, everything you did in this episode, this finale of Star Trek Picard. And then you tried to end it like a regular show, right? Like you just put everybody on the La Sierra and you tried to treat them like they were a regular spaceship crew. Mm-hmm. Like I'm supposed to care that seven of nine and Raffi have a romantic hookup now at the end of this episode. Like I'm supposed to care. I'm supposed to be invested in Gerardi and Rios's romance when Gerardi has not, uh, had her comeuppance for committing murder 
Right. Like, and, and Picard, I'm supposed to believe he's just acting like normal when he's living in a robot body. Like, and he, his body just died and he's living in a robot body that his friends built and he's just acting like nothing. Like, I, at the end of this episode and, and this final scene where they're all assembled on the bridge and we have this moment where Rios is like, are you going to say it? Come on, say it. And then Picard says, engage. No. And we take off. I'm supposed to be like, okay. Like, I, like, okay. Like, what? 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 Like, what? No. Uh, no. Shit. Okay? Episode 10 of Star Trek Picard. Fucking negative 10 out of 10. Like, the worst, like, the mo- the this is the evil alien race from another galaxy who has arrived to wipe out all, all organics in our galaxy. And it is bad writing. Okay? And I am embarrassed to say that I kind of enjoyed some of this episode. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that yeah. the same way I'm embarrassed to say that I kind of enjoyed rise of Skywalker. Right. Right. Because like no shit rise of Skywalker is unforgivably, unbelievably fucking bad to the point, to the point where if you care about storytelling, if you care about the details of the universe, it's all destroyed for you forever. You can't fix it. There's no fucking fixing what JJ did. And there's no fucking fixing what Michael Chabon did in Star Trek in this, in this series. And like, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to keep watching this crap, but I, I I really, I I can't sugarcoat it, Kev. I can't sugarcoat it. It's, it's fucking abysmally shitty. It's insulting to anyone with half a brain. I don't care if it's fun. I don't like, I don't like it's, it's fucking garbage. It's garbage. I'm sorry. It's remember when I said, you know, and I've said this a few times now. I, I, I'm, I'm more and more drawing distinction between good shows that I like, or I'm sorry, good shows that I don't like, and bad shows that I like. Mm. Because there's just a lot of that, right? Like, just because I like a show doesn't mean it's good. Just because I don't like a show doesn't mean it's bad. Right. Okay. Just because I liked some of Star Trek: Picard season one does not mean it's good. It's not good. It's bad. Right. It's bad. But I liked some of it. Yeah. So there you go. Fair so enough. there you go. Like for whatever that means, uh, there it is. Yeah. Um, but look, this finale, no. This finale, I want to wipe it from my memory forever. I I really I, I don't know what they're gonna do in season two. I'm not looking forward to finding out. Yeah. I, I <laughs> um I'll, I'll I'll check it out. Obviously, I I'll probably follow it. I'll probably follow it as closely as I followed this one. Yeah. But my level of disappointment yeah. in the finale of Star Trek: Picard is unimaginable. Even though some of it was kind of fun. So well, guess, there you go. I'll say like I thought the whole bringing him back as a as a um, android was stupid as well, but. Um, it didn't hit me as hard as it did, obviously. But uh, did you give? Sorry, did you give a numeric? You negative ten. Negative ten. Yeah. Okay. The lowest rating I've ever given anything on Tool for this podcast. Yeah. Okay. 
like I said, uh, to me, it was pretty much on par with the uh, with the first part. So I'll, I'll say seven as well. So, okay. but yeah, no, I did think I did think the ending was stupid as well, but it didn't ruin all of Star Trek for me like it did you. Okay. <laughs> now, look, all of Star Trek is ruined for me. Um, the only thing that you could do now is have Q erase these events. Mm-hmm. You erase these events, put Picard back in his human body. You could take away his brain disease if you want. Yeah. You know, like there, there are there are like tiny little fixes you could do to this Picard series that would that would take away my problems. You know, like instead of replacing his whole body with an android body, replace his brain. Mm. You know, or fix the problem of his the problem the part of his brain that's broken with the magic device that you have, like the magic device, the Harry Potter wand that you've already used twice in this episode. Yeah. Use it a third time to cure Picard's fucking magical brain injury that you won't describe the details of because that's magic too. Right. Like, it's just like simple little things or just like make his brain robotic and, and the rest of his body is still his old body so he's still going to die at the same time, right? right. Like, like there, there are just like little things you could do just to make it a little more fucking sense. Just to, please, like, I don't know. I... Uh, Anyways. Uh, <laughs> painful cap i'm suffering can you feel my suffering i feel your suffering but uh i i have to wake up really early in the morning so i'm just gonna wrap it up i know we gotta wrap up <laughs> so this has been a long episode yeah. and the pain has been drawn out um but you know what we are putting a f- we're sticking a fork in season one of star trek picard Boom! this is a show that we have been looking forward to for a long time uh, we have slogged our way through and here we are at the end and um, you know I guess the results are mixed I know a lot of people like this show and yeah. look if you like this show that's great I don't want to shit on you I don't want you to think that I discredit you for liking it because I have admitted many times that I have enjoyed a lot of it right and I and I, I I'm I may be ashamed of that but it's true so mm-hmm. um, look let us know what you think of Star Trek Picard if you agree with us if you disagree with us there are a lot of ways you can leave us messages you can let us know on our Facebook page. You can leave us a comment there. You can let us know on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash tool for this pod spelled with a two and a four because that's the way 90s rappers spell. Yep. Uh, you can you can drop a comment on our uh, our iTunes page. You can drop a comment anywhere. Pretty much you can listen to uh, tool for this podcast. Uh, but please do join the conversation. Let us know what you think about Star Trek Picard. Let us know what you think of our take on the show. And um, uh, you know what? We will talk about season two when it happens. And uh, we'll see if uh, things change or if they stay the same. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, we're going to, we're going to come back real soon and talk about, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next. Um, there are some new shows I want to talk about. I want to talk about maybe Westworld season three a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about devs, which is a new show that, uh, I've been checking out, which is really cool and really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I want to turn people onto it. Um, I don't know, Kev, there's no movies coming out because of the coronavirus. So well, they're coming out, but they're just coming out on digital, uh, <laughs> downloads. Yeah. So. Yeah, but but most of the most of the movies are are being delayed instead of released. So yeah, a lot of stuff being put off. Um, but we're gonna stick with TV, I guess. Uh, in the meantime, and 
you know, do our best to get everybody through this global pandemic. There you go. All right. But I guess that's all for episode 47. I don't know, Kevin, do you have anything left to say? Or uh, is there anybody in the chat? Maybe you guys a comment. That's the end? There it is. <laughs> there, uh, yeah, yeah, Janet, I guess that's the end of episode 47 of Tool for this podcast. So, everybody stay safe. Take care of each other out there. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we're all in this together. Yep. Stay inside. Don't go out unless you have to. Make sure you have your PPE. Make sure you have your shows to binge. Uh, Again, I'm going to tell you, if you haven't seen Vikings, go watch Vikings right now. And until next time, just chill. To the next episode. See, I shouldn't say until next time. Because then you say until the next episode. It doesn't really sound right.